you guys do our San Diego game last year? Joe, I can't remember where I worked last week. They're going to go for it here on fourth and one. A lot of words, a lot of words. No snap, no play, nothing, right? Our count threw him off sides. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hard Count, Fox Sports Australia's NFL podcast. And I'm joined in the studio by a old face, a familiar face, a slightly Extremely more old. bearded face. <laughs> Melanie Dinyashki, it's a pleasure to be back. I wish that I could say that with all honesty, but it's oh, been a Pat. magnificent month away. <laughs> uh, just soaking up everything the Australian summer has to offer. I had a great moment um, not that long ago where I did a load of washing and I realised I didn't have a single pair of socks in there because I'd just been wearing thongs <laughs> for about a week straight. It's uh, the great Australian dream, isn't it? It is indeed. So, you know, like a responsible father, I've left you in charge mm-hmm. uh, of the house. So I've given you the keys to the car. Has How it been driving okay? Uh, yeah, it's been driving great. Yeah. Um, so you've really been steering the ship in our absence. Thank goodness. Yes. It's not like anything important has been happening in the NFL. <laughs> no, um, just little NFL playoffs. Goodness to, uh, gracious. To entertain us. And it has been really spectacular. Uh, we've had some lovely guest hosts in studio but let's talk about this week shall we let's get into it and we are kicking off with my very own forbidden fruit my tainted love the atlanta falcons (laughs) getting up over the seattle seahawks 36 Mm -hmm. to 20 so much of the question around this was whether or not seattle's fantastic defense could deal with the you know i guess electric offense of the Atlanta Falcons and in the end they couldn't 36 to 20 the Falcons march on at home in the dome they look very impressive despite having that week off Uh, I guess a lot of people after week one were impressed by Seattle and what they were able to do against the Detroit Lions but the Falcons with just too much class Mel. Yeah it was uh, a very good performance from MVP favorite Matt Ryan um, leading that the Falcons too with another outstanding offensive performance 338 yards three touchdowns Zero interceptions. Um, very, very good stuff. Julio Jones getting in on the action early. Mohamed Sanu. Tevin Colvin uh, latching onto a, a touchdown pass as well. But Devonta Freeman ran in another TD and totaled 125 yards. So great versatility again in that team on uh, rushing and passing offense. Uh, the Falcons' D was hot too. Three sacks on Russell Wilson. And two interceptions, and that's what it came down to for the Seahawks turnovers. Yeah, and Atlanta have long been, I guess the knock on them throughout the season has been they've got this amazing offense, but can mm. they stop teams when it matters? I know that they're taking on Green Bay next up, and there was that game where they actually won by, I think, a point against um, the Packers earlier in the season, but they simply couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers at the time. So for mm. them to get some stops on Seattle was huge. And I guess my question for you, Mel, though, is that a reflection of Seattle's perennially defunct offensive <laughs> line, or is that... Uh, an announcement that Atlanta's defense finally is here. A little bit of both. And and I think for this game, you cannot underestimate the value of that home field advantage because Seattle have been so good at home these last few weeks. Mm. But being tested in uh, the Georgia Dome yep. uh, with a very loud, very passionate Falcons fan base, uh, I think that was a big factor too. And we should mention future was watching on Russell Wilson. So a little bit of added pressure, of course, that is his current wife, uh, Ciara's ex-husband. Much talked about that. You know, they always play a future song wherever Russell Wilson plays away. Um, Just to get right in his his grill. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Good bands, quality bands. Quality bands. Um, Yeah, look, Seattle were... They were good in flashes. I mean, Doug Baldwin was great. Paul Richardson, again, who? Uh, mm. He's come out of the woodwork in the last couple of weeks and done exceptionally well. Um, and Wilson, you know, threw two touchdowns as well, found Jimmy Graham on one of those. But 
you know, there was mistakes, and it was those mistakes that were the difference. And when it comes to playoff playoffs football, Wilson, of course, tripping over the O-lineman, that was probably the oh. most embarrassing moment. You know, to cough up a safety, it's just not a great highlight. No. Can I ask you, do you think you've seen enough from Atlanta Falcons to deal with uh, Aaron Rodgers and the majestic, exciting, fantastic Green Bay Packers? They showed a lot of promise in their pass rushing um, around the edge, um, really, really putting the pressure on Russell Wilson. And he copped a lot of hits too. So if they can do that against Aaron Rodgers, that's awesome. But as we know, Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal uh, scrambler. So, you know, that is yet to be seen. But I did like some of their matchups. Um, you know, some concerns maybe in their secondary, but um, with Matt Ryan leading the charge on offense, it's he, he's just in such good form right now. He's mm. probably the form quarterback left. Yep. Um, that's going to be tough to beat on its own because the more points they score, the more ball they have, the less opposition have, basically. Yeah, sure. It's going to be interesting to hear from what Lawrence Horace actually had to say about Atlanta's next opponents, the Green Bay Packers, because we know that they knocked over Laurie's beloved Dallas Cowboys. But yeah. we'll get to that in a moment. I just want to touch on Arthur Blank. Yeah, the Is owner. he now the most charismatic owner in the league? Very swaggy. Yeah. He's wearing the three-piece suit, and I think it was with his daughter or um, one of his family members, and it was just on the sideline having a bit of a dance. And then after the game in the locker room, Really getting down uh, with the players, having a great time. It seems to be a really good atmosphere in that locker room. And we spoke with Aussie offensive lineman on the practice squad with the yeah. Falcons, Blake Muir, earlier this season. And How good's Blake? He was great, great guy, isn't he? Really, yeah. really nice guy. Um, Is there any sort of scope for him? So he just needs a lot of people to get injured if he's to have any sort of role in this <laughs> yeah, playoffs campaign. Yeah, pretty say. much. But, I mean, yeah. like, there's great potential for him to still, if they manage to win the Super Bowl, He'll potentially get it. a ring, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I know some teams get it and some dis- don't. It's yeah. up to the discretion of the team. So, okay. And usually they do make rings for the, all the practice squad too. So, I mean, that would be an exciting thing for Australian point of view. But mm. um, he's confirmed that there's a great atmosphere in that locker room right now. They're having fun, and you can tell on the field. Um, they're bloody exciting. great to watch. If they're very not the most exciting. fun team in the NFL, I don't know who is. <laughs> well, um, from excitement to kind of a very odd game. This was weird. Yeah. Because the Texans are terrible, <laughs> and the Patriots, we've thought all year, are the benchmark when they're yeah. at their best. And they were miserable, mm. your Patriots, for a large chunk of this game. It was the expected result, uh, the Patriots being the Texans 34-16, but they made, talk about mistakes, they made a lot of them on the mm. way to that W. Um, best play had to be Dion Lewis's 98-yard kickoff return touchdown. But Tom Brady... Alarming, right? I think he threw two intercepts for the season and then he had two uh, <laughs> for the game. Yeah, and less than uh, 50% in completion rate, 18 from 38 passes. Very un-Tom Brady-like. Um, and 287 yards sounds good, but yeah, that completion rate was rubbish. And the two interceptions, of course, you don't want to be seeing that. It just uh, it, it tells you everything, really. Uh, two running backs, Dion Lewis and James White, they were the ones he was throwing to in the end zone. Um, Martellus Bennett really didn't make too much of a difference. I think he only had a couple yards receiving himself. So, you know, maybe there's some alarm bells there, but their defense was pretty good. Mm. I mean, they picked off... Um, Brock Osweiler three times yeah, interceptions. But Osweiler, he doesn't have the most accurate mm. throw in the competition. No, no. But they were making some uh, some good tackles and some good plays on defense, uh, which is what you want to see. But yeah, Brady copped a lot of hits. And I said this last week that I think the Texans' defense might rattle Tom Brady. And they certainly did. There's no doubt about that. Everyone says, oh, you know, he's he's a cool, calm, collected kind of guy. He can, he can tackle anything sort of thing. Yeah. But... He was taking some real tough hits from Jadavion Clowney and um, uh, Merciless as well. Um, I think that 
those guys really got under his skin, and you could see that because he threw a big tanty, huge mm. tanty, when he got no flag on what he thought was probably roughing yeah. the passer. It and was, it clearly wasn't roughing the passer. I think it was just okay. He was sort of bringing him down well after the play, but those it are borderline It was within a step, ones. right? Isn't that the sort of Yeah, but there's, the been, so many, there's been so many borderline calls. This, you remember Cam Newton all season been sure. saying, you know, give me those calls, give me those calls. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, it's a contentious rule. But, yeah, I would, I would certainly think that Bill Belichick will whip them into shape for mm-hmm. next week, certainly. But there's a lot of improvement to be had for sure. We're going to be touching a little bit later on Antonio Brown's mm. comments uh, suggesting that the Patriots are assholes. <laughs> um, interestingly, I think Belichick Can we is... say assholes on this podcast? Of course we can. We're fine. So we don't need to bleep this? No, no. But if we bleep it, it'll sound way more like bad... Way more dodgy. Well, I think if Antonio Brown's putting it on or Facebook badass, Live to thousands yeah. and thousands of people, surely we can do it to our thousands and thousands of listeners. Um, yeah. But... I did see already Bill Belichick, I think, has said he doesn't care what anyone puts on InstaFace or yeah, it was Snap Snapgram face. or whatever, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was very good yeah, for a guy. Good. That's either hilarious intentional humour or brilliant unintentional humour. I think Take some of the time he's actually being, you know, the deadpan comedian. Mm. Then other times he's just like, I just don't have time for this. Yeah. This 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 conversation bores me. Yeah, sort it of is thing. below me. Yeah. Um, um, was, but, there, was there any blueprint there at all for the Steelers in terms of what the Texans could do in terms of making inroads towards putting pressure on Tom Brady? You mean for the Steelers to do against the Patriots next week? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And that comes from pressuring Tom Brady. It it clearly had an impact. Which sounds so... You know, anyone listening simple. to this would be like, hey, numbskulls, yeah. yeah, pressuring the quarterback. No yeah. S-H-I-T. Yeah. But uh, surely, yeah. I, at, I, at home, you'd want a more dominant performance than that at, at home. Um, so, you know, that'll be a big one to watch next week. We'll move on to some uh, conference championship previews a little later in the episode. But I want to talk about uh, Earl Thomas. You talk about trash oh, talking. This is great. Uh, the Seahawks uh, safety, he on Twitter was calling out the Pats uh, saying – Tom Brady has the easiest route. Put his, can we say it? Put his ass in our division and we'll see what he does. Hashtag go. salty. Hashtag salty. Um, he's saying that he owned Tom Brady last year. Um, and he's, I'm and done he's, venting now. Yeah. Everyone knows I'm a competitor. I hate to see my brothers come up short <laughs> and our biggest rivals win. Talk about salty. Very salty. Would the Patriots think that the Seahawks are their biggest rivals? Uh, well, or is this like another classic Melbourne-Sydney rivalry where only one party knows they're in the rivalry? Well, there's there's one team that came off real second best in a Super Bowl, so they would probably <laughs> exactly, be the saltier. Right? I thought the Patriots were more sort of New York Giants sort of hatred. Oh, yeah, no, we hate, but everybody hates the Giants. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cowboys right. hate the Giants. Everyone hates the Giants. Right. Um, no, but the Patriots... They're always going to be. They're always going to stack rivals because they're always a contender when the playoffs come around. That's just the fact of the matter. And they've been in so many Super Bowls in recent years. Do you think the division's easy? Uh, I don't think Thomas, that that is accurate. Their division is easy. I don't think that's accurate. No, you still have to credit a team for producing on the field year after year the way that they do sure. because you see how hard it is with every other team. Yep. And even if they have Tom Brady or Bill Belichick or whoever. It still takes a lot of work. Absolutely. And I think that comes down to the attitude in that team. Um, but what Earl Thomas is saying is it just comes across kind of petty and lame. I don't know. It's not even that good trash talking. No. Is it? Well, it no. Especially as they <laughs> lost. It just seems irrelevant. Like yeah. the Seahawks aren't even... Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And um, we move on, don't we? We do. So next up, Mel, we've got to get into the Green Bay Packers defeating Mm -hmm. the Dallas Cowboys. This was unquestionably the game of the round. Fantastic stuff. On the line, we have got a broken man (laughs) with a broken heart. 
No, not Jerry Jones. A guy with nearly as much money and probably a bigger profile. <laughs> Lawrence Horish joining us from North America. Are you okay? You know what? I appreciate the concern there, Patrick. Um, <laughs> nothing could bring... I didn't think anything could bring a smile to my face at this point, but, um, but your glowing introduction and, you know, hagiographic description of my life to this point uh, may have lifted my spirits enough to join you guys for a quick stint as we break down what on earth happened in the final mm. minute and a half of that game. Yeah, the Cowboys were a little slow to start off, weren't they, Laurie? But um, an awesome second half. Like, as you said, Pat, definitely the game of the week. Easily, um, Packers pulling off that win in Dallas, which is a huge accomplishment in itself, let alone the playoffs. It all came down to a gorgeous throw from Aaron Rodgers to tight end Jared Cook. It's oh. toes. Stay in bounds. Like a ballerina he was, Pat. It was disgustingly good. Three seconds left on the clock, and Mason Crosby lines up, kicks it. And he had to kick it twice because... Cheeky Jason Garrett, <laughs> the Cowboys coach, yeah. tried to ice the kicker by taking a timeout right before the first snap for the first field goal attempt. And, uh, geez, it wasn't pretty, was it, that second uh, field goal, but it, it went through the big uprights, and oh. that's game over, Red Rover. You know my policy, and as does Lawrence on icing the kicker, I think it's a stupid <laughs> idea, but it was the only play they had, and it, was, it looked like maybe it was a stroke of genius from the yeah. Cowboys because that second attempt, Almost looked like it was going to fade just outside the uh, the uprights, but it got through, and there, as a consequence, the Green Bay Packers are through. But has anyone else got as much of a man crush on Aaron Rodgers than <laughs> you and I right now, Mel? Because that was something very special from the Green Bay quarterback. Yeah, there was an interesting thing I heard about um, Jared Goff, the Rams quarterback, the rookie. Well, he'll be going to his second year next season, um, who was talking a little bit about watching Aaron Rodgers and fil- when he watches film how hard it is to actually watch a defense because he finds himself watching Aaron Rodgers because he's just so mesmerizing he has no idea how he does what he does like he doesn't set his feet properly he just scrambles <laughs> like hell but but it works and we saw that really really well in that second half uh, for Green Bay but Laurie what I want to know how much of this win was down to Aaron Rodgers brilliance and how much of it was the Cowboys maybe just falling short of the mark well, the Cowboys fell short because they didn't have the ball last in the end. That, that's what that game kind of came down to. And I think maybe next week when we see the NFC title game, it could be something similar. Who has the ball last uh, will laugh loudest uh, because it's an unstoppable offense. And something you saw from Aaron Rodgers, it talks about how great he is. And I'm not going to spend my time you know, moaning about the fact that he only got that playoff because a blatant hold on David Irving was ignored by a <laughs> five yards away. But what you do see throughout the game, on third down especially, uh, Dallas is able to get some pressure on moving off his spot. He's running around like a headless chook and making these pinpoint, perfectly placed throws to the sideline, mm. giving his receivers just enough time uh, to get their feet down. And credit to them as well. You talked about the ball- ballerina feet from Jared Cook, but guys like Randall Cobb and Devonta Adams, even Geronimo Allison have done this over the course of, of this hot streak. Mm. Uh, and, of course, we know what Jordy Nelson can do, but those plays kill you when you've got them in the, you know, third and eight, third and nine, which Dallas did throughout the first half as well. You're thinking, oh, here they go. They're going to be able to get a stop and peg themselves back. And Rodgers is just so phenomenal with his placement that was so far off in the first 10 games of the season. Laurie, you're a Dallas dyed-in-the-wool, through-and-through Cowboys supporter, but you're also a football purist. So I want to ask you, when you're watching Rodgers just pick apart your team like that, is there part of you that is almost enjoying the spectacle? (laughs) Or or is it just, how can you hate a guy when he's playing uh, an amazing sort of game like that? No, you can't hate a guy. You don't. You don't enjoy it as much as if you were, you know, if it was your quarterback or a neutral game. But you can't hate the performance. And the one thing that dawns on you as you're watching that, and I'm sorry to anybody that disagrees right now, but he's playing football. He's playing quarterback. 
better than anybody who's ever played the position before. Every facet of it, there's no one who is playing at the level he is. Uh, with the command of the offense, the command of any different platform throws, his pre-set out reads. We saw what he did catching the team offside. Uh, we saw what he, he did. Loves the hard you know, count. The we should like him for that alone. Mm. Show's called hard count. No one is better at getting that play done and getting a free five, five yards and often, you know, free first down than him. So, look, he's the best. He, he, he's playing better football than ever. And as far as I'm concerned, another, you know, seven, ten years of this, and he's the greatest of all time. And sorry to anybody perhaps in that podcast, or <laughs> anybody out there on the airways listening that disagrees with that. Anyone who's listened to this podcast is aware of the ongoing narrative of the Prescott v. Romo that's been prevalent throughout discussions and, I mean, in the wider NFL for sure, but yeah. they, know, they would know that, you know, you're a huge Romo supporter, but you must have been impressed by Dak Prescott and what he was able to do in that last quarter where he seemingly just put the Cowboys on his shoulders and uh, marched them towards an improbable victory, it looked like at times. God, you know, as we do now, watching football with, you know, Twitter open in the, in the right side of the eye. Uh, it was amazing to see. I knew the course of Romo come, but it was so early on. You know, it was a, <laughs> it was a touchdown or, or, you know, less than a two-score lead, and it was like, let's get Romo in. And, I, you know, I've been a fan of, you know, as big a fan as, as there are of, of Tony Romo, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, but there was no need to panic at that point. And quite frankly, Jack Prescott was amazingly impressive. Um, got the, finally got Des Bryant going in, in a game of the kind of proportions we've seen throughout his career. He could have, if they kept going there, he might have been up for a 200-yard game there. Um, obviously, that that screen pass that was a it was a screen run option, uh, and he decided he was going to throw what we call smoke out to Cole Beasley. Bad choice there, but his effort to get this team back from that you know that ridiculous deficit against mm. a, you know as hot a team as in, in the league, the ball placement on some of his throws, how well he works play action, and and how well he sells his uh, his handwork. What we we'll call um, you can't can't take anything away from that. The one thing they're bringing up, you know. Should he have spiked the ball? Correct. That's uh, the coaching the clock, staff. You know, That's on the coaching staff, though, surely, isn't it? And they, they're claiming they don't regret that decision. It seemed a terrible move. To spike or not to spike? Mm. For me, I, I think in that position, when you really don't want to keep the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and you know what? A touchdown wins out there. Uh, I'm not wasting it down at that point. Not with a timeout still in your no. hand. And, and not with that those that many seconds. And, and sideline artists like Jason Witten and... and uh, Cole Beasley and Des Bryant in the receiving court, knowing that they could probably stop the clock for you. Yeah, I mean, like, I was watching Dak, Dak's face and his sort of, uh, you know, the emotions that he was showing in different parts of that game and the camera zooming in on him many times, so it was very easy to follow. But you want to see a rookie, how do they react in that yep. sort of situation? How do they, you know, their backs are against the wall, maybe he didn't get off to the sort of start he would have wanted. Um, how does he sort of pull through and... You saw how much it meant to him. You saw how much he was trying. He never at any point gave up. He never at any point thought that game was, you know, done and dusted. No. He was fighting right until the end. So that was really impressive, I thought, for a rookie. you still got to remember he's a rookie. Um, and we've seen how successful some other rookies' quarterbacks have been. So that alone is very impressive. But what I want to ask uh, you, Laurie, is Tony Romo... Um, Yep. Probably too expensive now to be a backup. Dak sort of solidified his place as the starting QB. Surely Romo's gone now and likely to be traded. Well, the trading thing's very hard because that contract is an absolute elephant to move. Um, mm. And it's going to make finding a suitor really hard because the way mm. uh, it also works for Dallas is when you trade, you don't just, that's not, okay, he's off our books. Uh, any future guaranteed money uh, can accelerate into your current cap, which is, which is, definitely a problem and something that's not easily done so 
I don't believe Tony Romo is going to be in Dallas next year, or sorry, next season, I should say, as we tick over into 2017. <laughs> um, I think the price tag is obviously huge for a backup quarterback, but also um, from the one drive we got to see, uh, that finale drive that finished with a touchdown pass to Terrence Williams, uh, there's no shortage in confidence in what he can do in himself. He wants to go start somewhere, so I think he, he does look elsewhere. And uh, It's sad to see because some of the moments and some of the... the hints and, and, and the feeling that I picked up in my time in Dallas and speaking to some of the local media people there, all off the record and stuff, but you do get the sense that um, this wasn't rosy. Um, this was the franchise player for the past decade and uh, and things had, between some elements had, had soured uh, between Tony Romo and, and that team and, and, and Romo was about as close to, to brass and coaching staff and and ownership as you could possibly imagine a quarterback being. Well, he's uh, at, the, know, he, at Jerry Jones's kids' football game. <laughs> He mentored, he's mentored John Stephen Jones, the, the heir to the Jones family in, in his state, in his quest for a state uh, football title. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't get much tighter, but it, it is quite sad to hear that, um, that that's the way it's gone. You know, that desire to win back his role and even have a shot out was never, never granted. And from there, it seems like this has taken, you know, a sourer note than you would have hoped for, uh, from a ring of, future Ring of Honor player for the Cowboys. Yeah, and I mean, what an amazing prospect to think of Tony Romo and any other team it's it's kind of a weird one it's going to be very interesting what happens with that we'll watch it very closely of course um now we move on to the uh, last game of the divisional round of the playoffs this week and it was pittsburgh steelers defeating kansas city chiefs 18 to 16 very icy in kansas city terrible mm. weather conditions not for like, mashing the kicker either well no no which you would be very pleased about yes the tough game pittsburgh grinding out the win without scoring a single touchdown. It was all from the kicker's boot. Chris Boswell scoring all the Steelers points. Six from six from field goals. That got the job done. And we should men- mention Aussie punter Jordan Berry, the holder for all of those. So maybe we can take a little credit there. Of course we can. <laughs> and he had just one punt for the day as well. 35-yarder. Uh, Laurie, what did you make of this game? You know, before we get into this, are we, are we lamenting this loss for Patrick Stack at all? <laughs> well, he's an Atlanta like, guy, isn't he? Is this even... Did he, <laughs> Did he even shed a tear, or did you even watch the game, or were you too busy partying with Matt Ryan? Like, uh, what I want to know is, you know, Stacky, uh, did this register on your emotional radar, or have you already got ACL tattooed on left or right cheek? I've got to be honest, it didn't even register a blip on my emotional radar. Um, I was in on day one of work after a month of leave, um, and to finish that month of leave, unwisely took part in a Bucks weekend. So I was like at an emotional low already on Monday. Like I've come back supposed to be refreshed, instead disheveled and exhausted, working very hard on day one of the Australian Open coverage. I I, uh, I think I spent the bulk of my emotional energy watching the Green Bay Dallas game. I had the game on uh, Kansas City v the Steelers. But the whole time in the back of my head, I was just thinking, you know what? I've got the Falcons. I've got Julio down by the schoolyards. I've got Sanu. I've got Matty Ryan all ready to go. Yeah, Gabriel. So um, I can't say that I was too broken. Uh, I I never like to see, to be honest, a, a team get through on kicks alone when they didn't score a single touchdown and Kansas City managed to nab two. But I don't know. This might be a, a breaking point. Alex Smith was particularly miserable again, and you know that I've got issues with Alex Smith. So yes. this could be a ta-ta. Kansas. Yeah, their run game was stuffed, and Alex Smith, as you mentioned, wasn't really doing enough. I think uh, Travis Kelsey was their leading receiver, just under 100 yards, 80-odd 80, 80 yards for the day. Just not enough. And when you've got Antonio Brown churning up over 100 yards and Le'Veon Bell 170 yards, 
I mean, that's enough to just keep the ball out of Kansas City, Kansas's yeah. hands and next minute just get the kicker to do the rest. I mean, if I was a Steelers fan, I want to know, should I be worried of the fact that Big Ben didn't manage to get anything really going in the end zone? Oh, it's certainly got to be a concern, you'd have to say, wouldn't you? But uh, I guess he gets the opportunity now to go to another cold venue in Foxborough <laughs> and try and turn those things around. I wanted to ask you, who do you think, what do you think was more explosive, Antonio Brown's 108 yards on the pitch or his mm-hmm. efforts on social media after the game? Well, yes, we'll give you a listen in a sec. But Antonio Brown, he copped a ton of flack after that game for going on Facebook Live immediately <laughs> after the game, after the win, and filming himself and his teammates in the locker room And this is the kicker. You can hear throughout uh, at the sort of middle portion of the video, uh, Coach Mike Tomlin clearly heard in the background addressing the team, this is where a phone should be put away. This is where you shouldn't be, you know, disseminating information to the rest of the world to hear, including your opposition for next week. Um, (laughs) It's clearly not on. Put the phone down. Uh, Let's have a listen to that now, though. Right. Keep a low profile. Let's get ready to ball up this up again here in a few days and be right back at it. Let's go. Hey, man. That's our story. Let's take it back. Can't get another shit. Run it. Hey. Thank y'all for tuning in, man. I'm in the lockout to the win. Yeah. Excited for all my teammates going to the AFC Championship game. It's like he's so self-centered, it's crazy. His Snapchat is nuts. Like he's, it's all selfies. It's all just him in the roles, just him smiling at the camera a lot, and that's pretty much what that Facebook Live thing was right. as well. And he's, you can hear him throughout the whole video. This is a seventeen-minute video. Yeah, the yeah. Facebook Live. I saw the video. I was like, I'm not gonna watch all seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time he's just looking at how many people he goes twenty-two k or seventeen k. He's just obsessed and another, with social and media. Another. Yeah. Yeah. And another one. That's yeah. a shout out to his mate DJ Khaled. Right. But what did you make of that? Well. I love it. As a journalist, I love it. But I'm I just, I mean, it's... With great access. It's, hard, <laughs> it's incredible access. Uh, I don't know whether this is just going to put the Steelers into a new stratosphere of popularity because, let's mm. face it, aside from Patriots fans, everyone does think the Patriots are assholes, <laughs> don't they? So Well, that's, that's what uh, Tomlin was calling them. There was a couple of uh, swears in there as well, colourful language as you'd expect in the locker room. But, I mean, he's probably going to get a talking to. But that's about it, that's I would r- say. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's Can you in, imagine, what do you think would... There's no way he's being benched, so just everyone relax. But Can we know. do the standard sort of Australian sport thing? Like, what happens if Jared Hayne, you know, <laughs> puts on Facebook Live and the coach of the Titans says that the Broncos are assholes? Uh, what happens to Hayne? Does I he get sad? Jared Hayne, Jared Hayne's management of internet technology at this point is pretty <laughs> not worthwhile and not... Well, worthwhile for media, but not a worthwhile venture for those who give support. So, yeah, maybe we steer Jared clear there. They could, so, they could probably goes, just blame uh, it on a 15-year-old, right, Laurie, uh, hacking into his phone. What the heck? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But this isn't going to be any big story because they've got to spend all their time, like you said, sorting out their red zone was. And it's interesting who they line up against next week with the Patriots. It's two teams that really didn't fire properly uh, in, uh, in the divisional round and, and really need to sort some things out. But... Uh, I'd like to see some more creativity with all the talent that the Steelers have, mm. uh, and clearly plenty of social media artistry. I think that's just going to get firing um, in the in the red zone there because uh, there's really no excuse for that with the weapons they have. But. Yeah, the big other talking point from this game was uh, the Chiefs probably be a little bit 
a little bit salty about this. The game-tying two-point conversion, just under three minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter, it was wiped out because of a flag against KC for holding on Steelers' James Harrison. It looked like a grab around the shoulder. Uh, there was some debate post-game on whether that is a flag or not. It was a hold. You reckon? Okay. Do you think it was a hold? Well, that's what he I want to talk about. He hooked him around the neck. He hooked him around the neck. It was The only bigger hold was the one on David Irving on the Aaron Rodgers <laughs> Hall of Fame play that I'm going to have to watch on, on social media for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of my life. Um, but no, it was. I'm sorry. It was. It was a pretty clear hold. Um, and and when you when you lose that position, especially against six foot seven guy against uh, against a guy like Harrison, who's maybe six foot tall, and as soon as he dips and you get the big guy grappling you around the neck, it's over, over. Mm. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you join us for the podcast once again, Laurie. You'll be back very soon, won't you? Sadly, the holiday has to end some point, <laughs> and I have to come back to work and. Get everybody back in the gear and make sure this uh, this podcast you two are being kept in check because I do not know what you're saying when I'm not there. <laughs> I can only imagine the sordid things you've been throwing at, at me and perhaps some other fellow heartbroken fans uh, this week. But always a pleasure to join, guys, and, and happy to be back on, uh, especially after, Jack, I don't know if you noticed, that Mel sabotaged my 20 minutes of football and brimstone last week. What did I do? Oh, ouch. What did I do? Word is... Word is she was spotted around Artarman with uh, wire clippers uh, <laughs> taking out the podcast phone line because simply it was too hot to handle. <laughs> wow. Well, Lawrence, we'll make sure that we keep her, uh, you know, hands off. We'll, we'll, we'll get some of our techni- technical team across it to ensure lies. that there is integrity across this podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy Toronto, and uh, we'll see you shortly back in the country. In your words, ta-ta. <laughs> oh, that was Laurie Horish joining us on the phone from Canada, um, where he is oh, holidaying away in the north of America. So we've had the review and sprinkled through our review, Mel. We've basically been looking at preview, and then we're going to get into it a little <laughs> bit thicker right now. And it's the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Green Bay Packers for the NFC Championship game. This is going to be a juicy one, in the words oh, of Biggie Smalls. Yes, Monday, 7.05 a.m., Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on the 23rd of January. Juicy. you got to tune in. you got to get up early for this one, but it will be worth it, that's for sure. I'm so pumped for this game. I, I'm sort of leaning towards the Packers after what I saw from Aaron Rodgers. It's so hard to look past him at this yep. pointy end of the season. And as a, as a Pats fan, I was watching the Packers v, um, v. Dallas game, and, and I was thinking, okay, if my team makes it to the Super Bowl, who do I want? Who would I prefer? 100% would prefer Dallas of because I think would. Dallas has way more potential flaws to to uh, exploit. But I don't think that the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers in tow at this point of the season is something you want to come up against. And as good as Matt Ryan has been and as good as that Atlanta Falcons uh, team has been, I just think they find a way. Green yeah. Bay will find a way. I think that... I've Got a bit of a weird take on this one. I think if Green Bay make the Super Bowl final, they will win. But I feel like this game is danger for them because everyone's so pumped on Aaron Rodgers and so pumped mm. on the Green Bay Packers right now that there's just always an inherent downside after a victory like that. Like there's danger for overexcitement and uh, overcompensation. The other thing is the fact that this is going to be played at the Georgia Dome. Mm. I think that's going to really help the Falcons. Like if this game is played at Lambeau or a venue that is cold, uh, I think that's real trouble for the Atlanta Falcons. Getting to play at the Dome really could help them. Yeah, it's going to be clean conditions, which is something that 
wasn't the case. Um, I believe in some other parts of Kansas City, you saw they were oh, like yeah. smacking the seats with getting the ice off the chairs. It was Freezing. crazy. Um, but yeah, it's... the last time these two teams played as well was an absolute showstopper. Mm. I, I know because I lost money on it because I think we, I had the Falcons to cover. Shocker. Yeah, so I think it was like I think they won by a point and I needed them to win by three. Um, so yeah, and that was basically a who gets the last possession sort mm. of game. And I feel it could be in the exact same sort of scenario once again. Yeah, I mean the big question is the Jordan Nelson thing again, right? We were talking about this last week. How much of an impact is his absence going to have mm. in um, in Green Bay going forward? And they showed against Dallas they can absolutely get it done without him. But does that carry on for another week? Is Jared Cook going to have another monster game like he did um, against Dallas? Is he going to continue that? Is their run game still going to be strong against Atlanta's? I mean, those are the questions that you have to pose. Rogers, I think he's. You, you say that there'll be that question mark. For me, Atlanta are the ones with nothing to lose here because, yep. yeah, you're right. People kind of would probably lean more towards the Packers, even in Atlanta, mm. and think Aaron Rodgers just has this. He's just the more experienced guy. Their, their team, Clay Matthews, is playing sensationally. Um, they just they know how to win a Super Bowl. Yep. So at this time of the year, you'd probably say they're the favourites, but. If Atlanta, you know, can pull up a win here, it's almost, even at home, I think it would almost be like an upset. It's interesting that we've talked about Matty Ryan being the MVP quarterback, uh, the MVP favourite, rather, mm. for some time now. And mm. at the same time, you've got um, people like Troy Aikman, and this was echoed by Laurie when he was mm. talking about Aaron Rodgers, saying that no one has played the role of quarterback like yeah. Aaron Rodgers ever. One of a kind. So, yeah, it's that's a fascinating yeah. um, showdown for me. The fact that we've got this guy, Matty Ryan, who's had a sensational season, mm. and everyone's basically saying he's going to win the MVP. Mm. But then, at the other side of it, how can he win the MVP when others are saying, you know, like Troy Aikman, no less, that... Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback to have ever played this position. So, yeah. I don't know, it's a real sort of interesting sort of fight within the fight. Yeah, it, we're absolutely, we're hashtag blessed, <laughs> aren't we? We're spoiled with um, some excellent quarterbacks on show in that matchup. Um, also, yeah, some questions about you know, the secondary of both teams, I guess, as well. They'll, Green Bay made some really good defensive plays against um, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. But, you know, you'd like to see them maybe patch up a few more holes there. Who wins? Green Bay yeah, by I think, 10. I think Green Bay by, yeah, uh, less than a touchdown. All right. Your Patriots take on the Steelers. First question, who has a higher ceiling? If both teams play to their absolute capability in this game... Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins. No, they have a higher ceiling. So if they both play to their highest, uh, highest, highest ability, Pittsburgh win. If they were both playing, yes. Yeah. I think so. But you don't think that they will play? You think that the Patriots will, will. will manage to close them down? I think the Patriots will, will get it done. They will be a much improved side from what we saw this week. They shouldn't be that messy who are at you this more, point. Who are you more scared of coming to Foxborough, Kansas or the Steelers? The Steelers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, They're, easily. Ben Roethlisberger is just terrifying. Well, the thing is, he was, even though he wasn't like you know maybe at his best... and, he, and No, week, he wasn't, but you know that he... Can with, flick the switch. Yeah, and with Antonio Brown at the other end and Le'Veon Bell, you know, he's a, just a beast right now. He's really racking up the, the Formidably talented offense, aren't they? They really are. And so you cannot you cannot discount them regardless of what they put on this week. My tip for these two games, someone is going to miss a kick and it's going to cost them. Mm. There's been too much successful kicking 
in the postseason. It's been sharp, hasn't it? it? Well, it doesn't reflect what has happened in the <laughs> previous 17 long. weeks. Yeah. So I feel like someone is going to have to miss an absolute clanger. Well, Chris Boswell's coming off a, a beauty yeah, of a game. Yeah, six from six. <laughs> six is, is the MVP of that game, scoring all their points. So. Johnny Wilkinson of NFL. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the Patriots will get this one done. I'm going to say in three. Yeah, I think the Steelers get up. How much? Uh, less than a touchdown. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Look, that's what's great about playoffs football too, isn't it? It's always super duper duper tight and uh, you want to tune in for till the very last minute as we saw with Aaron Rodgers uh, this week. But I want to now talk about a couple of uh, developments in the coaching yep. front. Quite an active uh, offseason has already begun for a lot of teams, obviously, and quite a lot of hiring and firing going on. And uh, the big one, I thought, maybe I'm a bit biased, but Josh McDaniels, an excellent talent in the Patriots coaching staff. He's the offensive coordinator. He's been uh, credited with being a huge part of Tom Brady's success yep. um, at the Patriots. He's turned down the 49ers role. He said, What's the motivation there? He said it's family orientated. He gave it a good think and he just said, look, I think it's best for my family and for myself if I just remain in New England. Does he want to be a, a, a head coach? I would say so, otherwise he wouldn't have taken the interview. Does that say to you then that he and is And he thinking, was a head coach before, I believe, in Denver. Does that say to you that he is going to, that he's thinking long-term that he can replace Bill Belichick? Because surely that job is Belichick's that till is he wants it. That is an excellent, excellent discussion point. I mean, Bill Belichick is old. I think he's the second oldest uh, with Pete Carroll, a coach in the league. But he's, you know, if... Um, he doesn't seem like the sort of bloke to me who just hands things over to no, anyone. No, if Tom Coughlin can go well into his uh, later I feel years, like you, you, I feel like Bill Belichick still has a while. You've got to carry him out of there in a box. <laughs> a large pine box. Um, no, maybe. but Or maybe just that the 49ers was not the right fit for him as well. You, you don't really know what happens in these backroom discussions um, with those, you know, front office types. Um, but yeah, Josh McDaniels, that's a good get for the Patriots. Maybe next season. Sure. We'll see. But there was another big one, Carl Shanahan. Yep. The, the Falcons OC. Mm-hmm. He's uh, himself and the Seattle assistant Tom Cable, they're being discussed as the 49ers head coach, uh, the, the candidates left. If they get that Carl Shanahan, a rabble though, right? they'll be so, huge. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The 49ers do not have the talent that the Atlanta Falcons have. They've got a terrible have. list and they've got an offense, even worse right owner. Yeah. So it's not Ooh. exactly an attractive place to go Ooh, and work, shots is fired, it? Jed York. <laughs> yeah, well, look at what Pat he's done Zach, to the job. Come Giant. at me, bro. Yeah, exactly. I bet, I bet, I bet you he's going to be commencing defamation proceedings it's, it's a bit of a, immediately. It's henceforth. kind of a scary job to take on, isn't it? It's Talk about a sinking ship. They've had three different coaches in the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, it's not the greatest thing to take on, and there'd have to be a massive overhaul and change of attitude and start again, sort and, of territory. Yeah, just wipe it clean, sort of thing. Yep. Um, yeah, I, uh, that'll be one to watch definitely as the season uh, rolls on and we move into the off season very soon. There's only there's only two games left this year. Oh, sorry, three games left in the season. How That's crazy right. is that? It's, I don't know where it's gone. It's probably and- just had a month off in the middle of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he grew that beard. Yeah. Um, the next one, Broncos, uh, Denver Broncos, they hired Vance Joseph. It's official. Four-year deal. Former offensive coordinator from the Dolphins. Good fit? <sighs> to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know enough about the Dolphins. I know we've got some Finns fans who absolutely love oh, very this vocal. podcast. Very vocal. And I have to admit to them out there, I don't know enough about the uh, <laughs> Miami offense because I haven't seen anything from them that has been particularly amazing. But that, that might have more to do with the cattle than the work that Vance <laughs> Joseph has been sort of putting together. Does it seem like a decent fit for you? 
It's an interesting one. It's a little bit different to, you know, what Gary Kubiak offered, but um, it's one of those wait-and-see things. You know, their defense is something they've prided themselves on. They Obviously, they lost Wade Phillips as well on the defensive coordinator ranks. It'll be interesting from an Australian perspective what that means for Adam Gotsis yep. because the rookie came in and he had an increasing amount of snaps as the season went on, but um, still not, you know, he's not a regular starter territory. So um, that will be you know, something to watch on how his development progresses. The big one, Sean McBay, 30 so years old. old. How I know you never meant to ask a woman her age uh-huh. or girl. Are you going to ask me that? How old are you? Me? I'm yeah. 26. See, yeah, I'm 33. I'm getting old. What are you doing with your life? Clearly not coaching Sean the, McVay's the Rams. Sean McVay's 30. He's coaching the Rams. <laughs> so they've gone really other end of the spectrum there, haven't they? From Jeff Fisher, super experienced, yeah. grizzled veteran to a 30-year-old. Oh, I know. In a town like Los Angeles, which is yeah, no, a take no yeah. prisoners, <laughs> demands They'll success. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all reports. People are liking this. They yeah. think it's great that they're taking in such a new direction. You couldn't have two polar opposites. A really young guy with, you know, just a little bit of experience compared to Jeff Fisher, who had, what, the most wins, but also the most losses purely because of the fact he was been, he's been around so long. Yep. Coughlin <laughs> was the name that was thrown around a lot, and I thought it was mm. really interesting that Mike Lombardi, former general manager in the NFL, suggested that that route would be uh, winning the press conference, not winning the games, the games which wow. I think is a really interesting concept that um, is certainly very applicable to uh, AFL, NRL, Australian sports. I think you see sporting organisations across the globe try and win the press conference. They're attracted to the sexy pick as yeah. opposed to the pick that will work. To, to, that makes the journos and the reporters sit up and go, oh, wow, that looks like yeah. you know, a great fit, rather than taking someone who maybe is not particularly a name, but has the fit from what they've seen in the interview process to take them forward and build an organisation. Yeah. The name that pops out to me when you talk about that, Ange Postacoglu. Correct, right? yeah. He he was, no one really sort of, you know, I think he replaced Frank Farina at the Brisbane Roar in yep. the A-League and then next minute led them to Alistair Clarkson in the AFL came in, completely gutted the team. He was very close to getting sacked and now he's maybe now the greatest he's, AFL coach yeah, of all time. Huge name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sean McVay, that's our ceiling for you. <laughs> greatest coach in the NFL history. Just win a couple of Super Bowls and yep. then you'll be on par with Andrew, <laughs> yep. who is now the head coach of the Socceroos. So, yep. there you go. Pretty similar. Um, yeah. So, you know, LA Chargers as well, um, they, of course, debuted their new look. Um, I saw today that they were... <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous. They're trying so hard to to have a successful launch in LA, and just people are fighting it so hard. They no don't, one cares, they don't, do they, they? Well, they, I suppose San Diego fans are still you know really angry, which yep. is understandable because their team's been moved you know further down the road. Is that right? Yeah, San Diego's yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, San Diego's south. So, north. They've so moved they've north, moved them the well up the road yeah. in Cali, but. Um, yeah, there's which is understandable, but they're really struggling to to make LA Chargers a thing. Yep. You know, they're they're trying to make fetch happen, and it's not happening right now, Pat. <laughs> um, fetch just won't work. No, on social media, they apparently sponsored a bunch of uh, um, posts about the LA Chargers. You know, with Philip Rivers as the face of it. Yeah. In Los Angeles, and all these Los Angeles folks are just going, Who "What are, are you, you doing? Stop clouding my feed with your crap. leave us alone." Yeah, God, I hate the Chargers. Boo charges. Yeah, exactly. Rams forever after one season. Charges uh, never. <laughs> yeah, look, there's um, a lot of coaching things happening now, and um, that will continue to progress. It's always a bit of a fun 
fun po- portion of the season, I think. Yeah. Just seeing what direction teams will be going in. Give us a little sneak peek of what to expect next season. But what do you think of it? What are your thoughts on our predictions for next week? What are your thoughts about Pat Stack and his return to the pod? Mm. Has it been a successful one? <laughs> or, or am I looking at uh, some sort of demotion for four or also of those lovely names you mentioned earlier who've done so well in my absence. No, I might put away the wire cutters just for you, Patrick. Ooh, cutters <laughs> gone. Um, get in touch with us on social media at HardCountFox on Twitter at PatStackFox, yep, is that correct? Yep, that is. Patrick on Twitter as well and myself at Melanie Tinyashki. Laurie Horesh, of course, in Canada, but he's always on Twitter. Like, just always. Always. Strapped always. to the hip, never. Twitter doesn't sleep, neither does Lawrence. No, I think he actually has notifications on too. He is that addicted to it. Yeah. Um, at Laurie Horesh, you can um, talk about football with him till you go red in the face. He loves talking time. football. Just get in touch with him. Yep, and use the hashtag hard count if you want to bring up any discussion points. We are so looking forward to next week. Yeah, it's going to be it's... two absolutely belting oh, games. And whoever gosh. wins out of either of those games are going to get a great Super Bowl. 